The number one question we get from listeners is, do we have a written step-by-step roadmap to guide you on how to train your dog? We don't, but Standing Stone Supply does. They're the creators of the complete step-by-step dog training program that takes your dog from brand new puppy and gets it well on its way to that finished dog you've always dreamed of. They've mapped out the timelines to help guide you, the videos for every step of the way to show you, and even have the needed gear made into shopping lists to make it easy to supply you. Check out the course at StandingStoneSupply.com to gain unlimited access for all current as well as future lessons and be sure to use the code GDIY to save 10% at sign up. As someone who constantly travels to new locations out of state to hunt, I have to rely on map scouting before I even get in the truck. Onyx Hunt Maps makes it super easy for me to plan out my trips as well as track my success while on the trip. The offline maps along with the tracking feature and ability to add pictures to my waypoints means I can always reference old trips and hunts to better prepare for the next. When planning your next hunt, be sure to use Onyx to put you and your dog in the best situation you can. Use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20% and know where you stand with Onyx. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Like I said, when I first started talking on this podcast, I never had been hunting. I'd been around it and, um, you know, learning to use a gun at a, at a, at a training day. And um, how do you even put the bullet in? How do you even pull the trigger? What What are the steps to that? Like, can seem really intimidating. And now, I'm, like you said, I'm out there hunting. Welcome back to another week of GDIY, everybody. We actually have Joe the Birdwatcher Lamberson in person here this week. Joe, what's going on besides not shooting at Woodcock? I didn't tell you, I don't I don't hunt birds anymore. I live a life of, of peace. I'm a changed man, new year, new me. I just go and look at birds when they fly in front of me. So this is the first time we've actually hung out in quite a while. Got to meet your your young boy Caleb and everything, yep. but uh, we took the dogs out for a fun hunt, and and uh, I just handed you the shotgun. I'm like, all right, you you get to shoot. I'll flush for you. And you're like, I like the sound of this. You're actually acting like we're gonna flush a bird this week. I'm like, we are. <laughs> and sure enough, we go back there, and Rachel goes on point. Lucy's backing. Jack goes on a back, and I get you all set up. And I ask if you're ready, and you're like, yeah, I'm ready. I go kick it up, and there's no shot. <laughs> it's that toy toy shotgun you gave me. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. But it was just funny. You're like, I was waiting on a wide open shot. I'm like, you're a freaking quail hunter, thinking you're always gonna have an open lane on these birds. You just need more reps. You hadn't been out enough this year, man. And you learn it to shoot at trees. Is what I was. I what, what I what I found out. <laughs> take, take that. Take that small window of opportunity and uh, just just shoot at it, man. Yeah. And honestly, I looked at it when it flew up into the tree, and I was like, "There's no way that's woodcock because it was mon- a monster. <laughs> it, it was a big woodcock. It was a big wood. It, uh, you don't. I didn't trust the hunter with the longest <laughs> nose. And I go, I don't know what that is. I don't think it. And then it then it kind of flew away in front of me real low, and I was like, oh dang it. <laughs> I think that's really been your only opportunity to shoot a bird this season, too. Yep. At least you got Jack on a bird, though. You know. <laughs> yeah, you got a nose full of. And it. they had, they had a good run today, so can't can't complain. Yeah. So, 
You want to tell everybody who we have on the uh, on the episode this week? We've got something exciting. <laughs> I hope so. That's why we're putting it out. <laughs> we got uh, Kylie Caldwell. Yes. So, I mean, uh, I'm really looking forward to listening to this podcast. Haven't listened to it yet. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we have our fair share of women on the podcast, but really looking forward to hearing, you know, her side of things and everything like that. And, you know, we've got some cool things planned with her in the future, um, which I'm even more excited about. Yeah, no, you'll, you'll definitely hear more about that on the episode, but yeah, it's a, it's a fun little episode. You get to hear Kylie's story. You know, we, we hear from Scott quite a bit, but, uh, we, we hadn't heard Kylie's story and how she got into bird dogs and kind of her adventure into testing and hunting and all that. So, uh, nice little, nice little fun episode for you. And then of course, stick around. There's a, there's a bit of an announcement with her at the end of it, but, uh, be sure to Check it out and let us know what you think about it as always. But uh, we'll get Speak, to speaking of announcements. I was about to say, <laughs> speaking of that, we do have a few housekeeping announcements going on. New uh, New Year, you know, we got <laughs> we got things are changing up. Yep. So, uh, do you want to make the? Uh, I guess go ahead and start off with a big one. You mean our new kennel sponsor? Yes, guys, we have a new kennel sponsor this year. It's Dakota Two Eighty Three Kennels. You yep. have probably heard of them on other podcasts and everything like that. Um, but, you know, we, we decided to switch for a couple of reasons. And, Nick, you want to speak to a little, little bit of that? Because I know it's a, it's a little yeah. bit of a big change. Yeah, obviously. I mean, th- there's no denying Gun- Gunner Kennels makes a hell of a product. It, it's a fantastic product. It's a great brand. We really enjoyed our time with them. And, uh, I mean, there's no disputing that they make a great product. But uh, one of the things that we realized over the past year with Gunner is most of the people that reached out through us or to us t- asking about kennels and Gunner, uh, it just wasn't really in their realm of affordability. And most of the people that listen to us and support us and everything, uh, they end up going with Dakota 283 because it's more in line with what they do, uh, you know, price pricing and as well as just what the kennel's really all about, right? And so you mix that in with the fact that Greg, the owner of Dakota, he's uh he's really on board with what we're doing, what we're trying to grow to, and our goals and ideas outside the podcast and, and he's really supportive of that and really wanted to get involved. And so when we we're talking with Gunner and Greg and all that, it, it just really was more of a of a genuine partnership. Uh, opportunity with with Greg and Dakota so we decided to go ahead and make the leap and it's kind of more in line with where we're wanting to go as well as our listeners and uh, the people that support us and everything yeah and the exciting things is we got a lot of stuff planned um, with Dakota 283 this year Um, we're still running you know we're so close to 100 patrons yes once we hit 100 patrons and we're close we're giving away Dakota 283 count yeah Yep. So we we were saying all along we we're giving away a kennel when we hit a hundred. Uh, it just missed that shy of uh, our time with Gunner, but Dakota came in. They're they're going to go ahead and honor that giveaway. So uh, as soon as we hit a hundred, our Patreon patrons are still going to have an opportunity for for that kennel. But also like what we we're just saying, they want to support everything that we have going on. So they are coming on board to really support this training camp in April. Yep. They're going to front the cost of the birds as well as offer up another kennel for a giveaway for the people that attend the, the training camp. And that that's a perfect example of something outside the podcast that, that we really wanted to 
get our partners and sponsors on board to help support some of the stuff outside the podcast. And Greg and Dakota was all about that. And so uh, it's just a really, a really big fit with kind of where we're headed with this podcast. And that's why we made the switch. It, it has nothing to do with, you know, Gunner doesn't make a good enough product because you can't really say that. And they were great to us and we appreciated their time. But I'm looking forward to to making the jump and uh, moving forward with Dakota, man. Yeah, and we've, we've seen that kennel in person and use it and everything like that. And it's, it's a great product. You know, it's, we're, we're not talking about switching to an airline kennel or anything like that. Dakotas are <laughs> yeah. incredible kennels and we're really excited to be Absolutely. a part with them. And so speaking of the training camp that is, uh, brought to you in part by uh, Dakota 283, uh, we do have a few slots left, not many. They, they, I mean, we have, no, you got the list right in front of you. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it right now and yeah. we're, if you want to sign up, you need to do it quick. Uh, you know, reach out to me. Almost all the slots with people attending with their dogs are taken up. There's there's still a few left, so reach out to us at gundogityourself at gmail.com. If you are interested in that, if you want more details, I'm happy to answer all your questions and stuff like that. So uh, if, if you're thinking about it, don't wait too much longer. We do still, you know, we're, we're going to still leave it open for people that are uh, wanting to audit it with, you know, come out there, they get the message, they just don't have their dog out there. So that's an option as well. And we're just charging a hundred bucks to audit it. So, uh, you know, if you want to do that, you know, we'll, we'll have more space available, but if you're wanting to get your dog out there and get kind of one-on-one lessons with these experienced trainers and handlers with your dog, you need to jump on it quick or else it's going to fill up and it's going to be too late. And it's a crazy deal when you really think about it. If you think about how much a day on a preserve would cost, you know, that's nothing compared to what we're doing here. Yeah. You're learning from awesome trainers, um, hanging out with guys who, and girls who, you know, love the same things you guys love and everything like that. We're building the GDIY family, which is yep. huge. If you need another reason, you got a pretty good chance of winning a kennel. <laughs> yeah. And you know what, Nick, we're probably going to have some ugly dog there too. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure some ugly dog will uh, make its way out there, but yeah, you're right. It's, it, this is obviously a great opportunity to, uh, get some great training advice and know how mm-hmm. from these guys from steadiness, with uh, Kyle Huff to obedience with Grace and Geyer to force fetch and duck search with Scott Caldwell. You're getting a lot of information that I really wish as a dog owner and handler that I would have had, especially starting out. Uh, but you're getting the social aspect of it. You're getting to meet a bunch of people from all over the country. And we even have one guy coming down from Canada um, who he said, you know, if the borders are open, he's there. But if the borders aren't open, he's not even asking his money back. He's paying for somebody else to go in his place. That's awesome. Yeah, that that's freaking awesome. I told. I mean, that's just that's really great of him. But you know, we're we're gonna be having some fun. We're gonna be hanging out, socializing, drinking, eating, and all that stuff. And so, so the cost of the cost of the camp and everything includes your birds, your training, your your meals, and all that. All it doesn't cost is your tra- your travel. And your and your hotel and stuff like that. So it's just, it's going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to it, and I can't get here fast enough, man. Yeah, just speaks to the you know we started this as more than a podcast. We wanted to build um, this community of do-it-yourself dog trainers and dog handlers and dog owners. Yeah. Um, and I think this is a great kicking-off point for the start of the year. 
uh, new relationships, everything like that. It's going to be a great time. For sure. And so uh, real quick, just one other announcement, the uh, spotlight bonus episode uh, that we've been doing throughout the past year Mm -hmm. with nonprofits. We are going to stop doing that on a monthly basis. Uh, We kind of found it it was kind of hard to find a nonprofit that wanted to come on once a month. It it, kind of surprising. And we didn't want to just keep doing the same organizations over and over and over again. Exactly. Uh, that, you know, there's only so many times that we're going to talk to RGS and quail forever about the same stuff over and over again. But that being said, you know, there's always room for getting the word out on important causes and mm-hmm. everything. So if there's a company or a, a big movement or a big change, in one of the organizations, uh, be sure to let us know, recommend different organizations to us. And we'd be happy to do an occasional spotlight and still contribute 10% exactly. to them. But we have some other ideas to continue to what, what we get from our Patreon and everything. We want to keep contributing to the community. That's a big piece for what we want to do. Uh, we have a couple of other ideas that hopefully we'll be announcing here relatively soon to uh, take the place of our contributions to these uh, nonprofits every month. Awesome. Well, it wouldn't be a episode if we did not have a tip of the week. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I actually, this was kind of a tip of the week, but also kind of just listener feedback uh, from a listener, Mike Sutton. Was it Shoot at the bird when it flies. <laughs> that that would help, but Joe, <laughs> uh, old bird watcher over there. But no, nah, he, he so he listened to our podcast with City Slicker Nick mm-hmm. uh, a few weeks ago, which was a re- we got a lot of great feedback yep. from that episode. But he, Mike, uh, he he shot me some feedback and he made a, a pretty good point. We've touched on it in the in the past on these podcasts, but I don't think I've touched on it in quite a while. So I told him like, yeah, that's, I'm just going to throw this in as a tip of the week. He, he said, you know, while you're in highly populated areas and you have a young pup that's not fully vaccinated yet, it can be tricky finding a good place to train your dog, whether you're in an apartment complex or something, if it gets a lot of use from other dogs, you need to be careful with your pup. That's not fully vaccinated, uh, you know, with Parvo and distemper and all that yep. stuff. So you do need to keep that in mind. And it, it is a really good point, especially with this spring. A lot of people are going to be getting pups mm-hmm. and I've said it on the podcast a while back, even just traveling with your pup. It's the first time your pups away from its litter mates and it's kind of safety bubble and zone and mm-hmm. is immune systems used to the same environment all the time. You traveling a long ways, say you drive 12 or 13 hours to pick up your pup, maybe stopping at a rest area and going to the dog area is not the best for it right off the bat. You know, we're not hypochondriacs. We don't, we don't overreact to everything, but it, you know, it is a shock to the puppy system in a lot of ways. And with it not being fully vaccinated, I try and find, you know, a grassy area or something to go walk them and get them out of the truck and stuff like that, or train them when you get home, uh, away from what other people might walk their dogs with. Mm -hmm. So, it's something that probably isn't on the front of everybody's mind, but it is a good reminder to just kind of keep that in mind as you travel and you start training these dogs until they get fully vaccinated. Yeah. It's all about risk and reward. Yeah. So. Is it worth risking just to go to the the pilot, you know, <laughs> just cause it's easy and you're going to put that, that brand new pup on a, on a pilot. Yeah. Um, gas station dog park that who knows yeah i never go to those places anyway because they're always all muddy and, and yeah. gross and everything like that so yeah but it, it's true you know just 
Just something to keep in mind. I always tried to find like a little church softball field or something that, you know, it's grassy, it's open. And I mean, a a softball field or even like a tennis court or something that's fenced in, you can really let the puppy stretch its legs out and then it's all tuckered out by the time you get back to the truck. But uh, yeah, it's it's a good reminder, Mike. I appreciate that. And, And just like Mike, guys, if you have any feedback, tips, suggestions, topic ideas, so on so forth shoot them to us at gundogityourself at gmail.com joe just alluded to the fact we are very close to hitting that mark on patreon to do a a kennel giveaway so if you want to support the podcast and all these other ideas that we have coming up because it's a lot of different ideas people we're gonna we're growing outside this podcast Mm -hmm. for sure this year uh be sure to check out patreon.com forward slash gundog yourself and if you want to do something to help support us that's free takes two seconds be sure to go leave a rating a review five stars anything less than five stars tell us why you don't like us and maybe we can fix it yeah and if you're on social media give us a like and we're when we're posting everything like that anything helps for you guys to engage with us it's on the news a lot right now and social media is a hot topic, but anything you guys, you know, commenting, everything like that, it really does help. So yeah, uh, we appreciate everything that you guys do for us. Absolutely. All right. Without further ado, we've rambled on long enough. We'll get back to it. We're going to go try and find another bird that Joe will actually shoot at. So you guys enjoy and uh, enjoy the podcast with Kylie. Picture this. You just finished a long day's hunt or a long day in the training field grooming your next champion. You've run through your entire string of dogs in anticipation for the next fall. You think the day's over. It's not, though. Your day's not over until you let that ugly dog hunt. No hunting or training session is complete without capping it off with one of the spirits from Ugly Dog Distillery. They're Michigan-raised and purebred handcrafted spirits. They have everything you need from vodka and gin to your more traditional after-hunt choice Kentucky bourbon. Head on over to UglyDogDistillery.com to check availability within your state. And if you have an upcoming event that's alcohol-friendly, then be sure to reach out to us and see if we can add another Ugly Dog to the lineup. We'll tell you right now, we aren't much on flavored whiskeys, but you have to try their peanut butter whiskey. Unlike other peanut butter whiskeys out there, Ugly Dogs is made with real Kentucky bourbon and not just grain alcohol with syrup. So after your next hunt or a long day of testing and you're trying to decide what to drink, reach for the bottle with Ruger, the German wire hair pointer on it. It was handcrafted by people just like us, dog people. Every adventure starts somewhere. Make sure yours includes an ugly dog at your side. Explore responsibly. All right, everybody. Kylie Caldwell is on the line with us this week. Kylie, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good, Nick. I hope you are. <laughs> yeah. So I know we were trying to do this last week when I was down there in person, but uh, it got, kind of got a little late and... Uh, we had a little bit of a busy weekend, and uh, we we figured that we were just going to connect uh, later this week and knock it out remote instead of forcing it in that one night. Yeah, I'm glad we did. I was pretty tired, staying up late, going duck hunting, yeah. and then woodcock hunting. I'm glad we waited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we fit in a little bit of drinking in that weekend too. So you oh, know, we fit man. in a lot that weekend, but. Uh, but we definitely needed to get you on uh, and and talk about a bunch of stuff. You know, uh, one thing that we're going to talk about is uh, we're going to hear a love story tonight. And we're not going to hear about the love story with you and Scott. We're going to hear the love story about you and dogs and what made you fall in love with the dogs and the lifestyle and the training and the hunting and all that. We're going to forget Scott this week. All right. <laughs> all right. That sounds good. <laughs> 
He may be a little yeah. bit upset, but so. hey, after the last comment on that podcast, I got to get him back. <laughs> <laughs> well, just remember, you know, you, you get a good little saying in like he did, then uh, we can be sure to make it even and put it on the snippet like uh, he, he got you a few weeks ago. Oh, okay. That sounds good. well just go ahead and start and introduce yourself and kind of just tell everybody how long you've been messing with dogs and and kind of what got you into the world okay this may be long i'll try to make it short though um so my name's kylie um originally grew up in maine um lived there went to college there um and moved down to north carolina after i graduated from um university of maine orono um I did, let's see, that was about 11 years ago. So I've been in North Carolina about going on 12 now. Um, and growing up, I, my family, my dad was a hunter. He deer hunted, he duck hunted, um, never with a dog, um, but grew up with hunting. But myself never hunted when I was younger. Um, you know, I was involved when he would clean deer and stuff. And I was like, oh, this is gross and didn't really want to be a part of it. I was young, you know, 10 to 15 years old. And I was like, yeah, this is not really something I want to do. Um, so when I moved down to North Carolina, um, got my first job as a nurse and um, had got my actual first short hair from Scott. So this is kind of a funny story. Um, dating someone mm. at the time and he wanted a short hair and he, there was nobody really around um, where we lived in Fayetteville. Um, and he looked up German short hair pointers and um, he found Scott's name. So we went and met Scott and we got a German short hair named Benelli. Um, and he was wide open. He was crazy. He was hyper. Everybody um, was like, man, where'd you get this dog? He's crazy. Everybody that, you know, thinks short hairs are crazy. That definitely made um, everybody agree that that was Benelli. Um, and we lived in an apartment at the time. So you <laughs> can imagine this short hair puppy in an apartment. I have no clue. You know, I, I had dogs growing up, but not a hunting dog. So I kind of had no clue what I was getting myself into. And so long story short, um, we part ways, um, the boyfriend and I, and now I have this short hair puppy still. He was probably nine months old. He was less than a year old. And um, I'm like, okay, now what do I do? Um, by myself with this hunting dog, I don't hunt. Um, and I don't know how to train this dog. So fast flash forward, I'm calling Scott and like, um, I need some help with this dog. Um, I'm in an apartment. I need help. I'm working all the time. What, what do I do? So, yeah. Again, long story short, I, I connect with Scott and um, talk to him and um, we meet and he kind of helps me with the dog and um, we go out to dinner and then we go out to drinks and um, yeah, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> so as long as, you know, it, the, the boyfriend that bought the dog already left. So this wasn't a case of like he sold, sold a dude a dog and then Scott turned into Mr. Still Your Girl or something. It just worked out uh, that way, I guess. And, you know, we <laughs> talked for a little bit and it wasn't the right time. And um, 
I really needed just a break and to be kind of on my own and figure my life out, as one would say. And, um, you know, later on, a few years well, slow, later, we slow down. Yeah, slow down. <laughs> We're at the, this is not this is not the Kylie and Scott love story. This is truly <laughs> the dog and Kylie love story. So, so describe to us you 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 literally you you end up a single mother with this with this dog, right? Walk right. us through. You're, you're grasping for help. You reach out to Scott again, and you know, walk us through your learning curve. What it was like figuring it out and starting to train this dog in in a world that you you don't know, right? Sure, sure, yeah. So, Benelli, um, like I said, was hyper wide open. He needed something to do. He needed a job, and. I needed to figure out what that job was since, you know, like I said, I had had dogs before, but never a, a dog of this caliber. Um, so, you know, reached out to Scott just for some resources of what I could be doing with him. Maybe not necessarily hunting, but training ideas, just crate training, sit, stay, place training, um, just bringing him to a dog park, um, walking him on a leash. That was a feat in itself. Um, you know, yeah was a harness good was a pinch collar there's all these things and you know back then that was let's see you know 10 years ago now um you know uh, maybe a lot of these advances like e-collars and stuff they had them but you know the the fancier ones now that everybody uses i mean we didn't have really i didn't have access to that anyway and um, you know, I would take Benelli. I took him to the beach. Um, that was an experience because he was scared of the waves. He wanted to chase the seagulls, <laughs> but he was scared of the waves. And I'm like, okay, this is, come on. You're, you're not scared of anything. Let's, <laughs> let's go. I want to go in the water. And he's just kind of sitting there watching me like, mom, what are you doing? Um, and so <laughs> with that, just, just exposure really with him is really, um, what it was and just, you know, going up the stairs in the apartment, putting him in the kennel, things like that, um, that, that Scott creating those with. boundaries and obedience. Exactly. Um, and unfortunately I didn't have Benelli too long. Um, he actually ended up going back with my ex and he took him to Maine actually, um, cause he was from there too. So that's kind of where I first started to kind of think that I really wanted another one of these dogs so I could um, learn better how to take care of them um, and get into hunting possibly. Um, so that was kind of my first introduction with Benelli. Yeah. So it was just enough exposure for you in the dog world to where you had to figure it out on your own. And then it was just enough to kind of get you hooked. And it's like, you know what? I kind of enjoyed that ride. Let's uh, I, I want another one and, and keep this journey going. Yes. Yeah, so with that, my next dog was actually not a hunting dog. Um, when Benelli left, I was trying to fill a void and just wanted a companion to keep me company and um, take, you know, everywhere with me. And um, at the time I was like, okay, it's not probably fair for the dog with my work schedule to, to get another, you know, hunting dog or versatile dog. Um, so where I worked at the time was about an hour and a half from where I lived. And um, one day I looked online at the animal shelter and I was like, I got to go check. There was this one dog that I really saw the picture and just kind of fell in love online with. And when I showed up to the animal shelter, the dog was already gone, the one that I wanted. And 
um, there was Zach sitting in his kennel. He was a uh, reddish orange color um, with a very fuzzy face and just looked so scruffy. Um, and I'm like, man, this, they, they only had him. And I'm like, oh, he's, he's not really cute, but I wanted a dog. So I got Zach and Zach became um, that void that was missing and just became my best friend. I took him everywhere with me, um, took him to the dog parks, took him, you know, everywhere I could take him. I took him. Um, and then again, same thing. I thought, okay, I really miss, you know, Zach had a purpose and a job, but it wasn't like, quote unquote, what a hunting dog or versatile dog. He's not, he can't go hunting. He can't do these things that I really liked in Benelli. So flash forward uh, a couple of years um, when Scott and I reconnected, um, it was probably a year after we had been together and dating. Um, he said we were going to take a drive and we were going uh -huh. to our good friends um, and um, near outside of Charlotte. Um, Rob and um, Peggy Walker and he said we were going there to look at a puppy and I'm like okay and he tells me in the car on the ride there don't pick the first one that um, you know licks or kisses you um, or by the color <laughs> I want to kind of inspect them and I'm like oh boy okay that's gonna yeah. be really hard because you know puppies are cute and I'm, I guess, partial, but German short hair puppies are extremely cute. <laughs> so um, we go and visit them and the puppies are five weeks old. So they're starting to be weaned by the mom One and they're starting them. to, <laughs> oh yeah, they're super cute. There's 10 of them in the pen, the whelping pen with her and just running around and just their personalities are coming out. And Scott's like, okay, remember what I said in the car? And so we're standing by the whelping pen <laughs> And he starts looking at him and just, you know, doing his inspection, if you will. And um, he passes me this female and I'm looking at her and I'm holding her. And he's like, OK, I'm going to look, you know, in the pen while you hold her. So I have this puppy in my hands and I put her up to my um, neck and my head and she starts licking my ear and kissing me on the face. And I'm like, yep, this is it we're going home with this one. Um, and uh -huh. Scott turns around and he's like, I told you not to pick based on the color <laughs> and the, all of the things that he told me not to. And well, so obviously <laughs> at this point, you know, it's, they're only five weeks. So we couldn't take her home. Then we had to wait a few more weeks. And um, I guess back to your whole first question of how I got involved. And this was my first I, I say first real hunting dog because she was mine and she still is mine. And her name is Sassy and everybody knows her by her <laughs> name because she is, lives up to it on a daily basis. And, um, she really is what got me into NAVDA, um, which was now let's see seven, seven years ago. Cause she just turned seven this year and, um, she is one hunting uh, machine and she's um, actually due here in the end of this month she's going to be having her second litter so we are preparing for that here in this household <laughs> well, 
Well, walk, walk us through, you know, it's your your first hunting dog. You know, I know Scott's there. He's help, gu- helping guide you and, and kind of show you the ropes and teach you. But, you know, you, you kind of went through some of the obedience and boundary stuff with Benelli. But let's get into Sassy and taking your first dog and, you know, walk us through what it's like starting from a puppy. And like, this is your dog. So what was that experience like knowing that, you know, this is mine. We I didn't pick it out with another guy or, yep. you know, it just, what, what was it like? Sure. So we picked Sassy up and she's eight weeks old and we get her home. And, um, at the time she didn't even have a name. She went without a name for about a week, maybe longer. Um, because I knew the name had to be something really special. Um, just based on her personality, her I had, I had to get to know her. Yep. And so, um, we were laying in the bed with this puppy because of course, you know, what are people say? Never have the puppy in the bed. Well, yeah, the first night she's in the bed, (laughs) um, and she was in the bed and Scott was kind of messing with her and playing with her and she was just going after him and going after him and going after him and just had this little personality coming out and just being really feisty and he said something and I'm like, he called her sassy and I was like, what? And I was like, no, that's her name. And it it just kind of was like, I wasn't expecting him to say that. And I'm like, man, that's really fitting. Um, And so I think it was probably two weeks um, in that she didn't have it. And then finally, when when he said that, I was like, okay, yep, that's her name. And um, from then on, (laughs) she's lived up to that, unfortunately, Um, but in a good way. Um, You know, so, you know, the basic stuff we started was potty training. Um, you know, just getting her to go out and with her being a female, it was pretty quick and easy with that. Um, and then Scott started to mention, um, you know, we did the crate training and stuff like that. But then when we were getting birds out, he, he was mentioning the whole NAVDA thing. And I'm like, what the heck? I couldn't even spell it, let alone when I was like, wait what is it? And then I have to like sound out the letters. And I'm like, when I was writing it, I had to say it in my head, okay, North American. And I was like, what, what the heck is he talking about? I I didn't know a clue. I didn't know anything about it. Um, so with Sassy, we just started basic training, like with on birds and with gunfire. And obviously I had a lot of help from Scott cause I had no clue. Hell I hadn't, haven't even shot a gun before and he's out there trying to get me to do that. And I'm like, what I have to do what? <laughs> um, and you know, like I said, I hadn't, I had grown up in a hunting home, but never myself hunted. So this was all brand new. Um, the dog, the birds, I remember Sassy bringing me a bird for the first time and I was like, oh my God, I have to take this thing out of her mouth and touch it. And I like literally grabbed it by the foot and was like, this is so disgusting. But Scott's like, you got to take it from her. You got to take it from her. And um, yeah, I was a little freaked out by that at first. And now obviously I've been doing it for a little bit of time. So it's, it's easier now, but um, so after kind of the intro stuff with Sassy, um, we were going to Maine. Um, I think it was for a vacation or somebody was graduating and we were, we were headed up there in the summer and Scott's like, well, why don't we, um, bring Sassy up there and, and test her in the natural ability test. She was going to be, I think six months old. And, um, we had done some training days 
um, at the house really with a group of people, but we hadn't started the Tar Heel chapter um, yet. So that was kind of in its infancy. And um, we, we just did like training people that we knew um, like Blake and Stacy with their dog and a a few others, Robin and Peggy and, and a couple other people, but Tar Heel wasn't a chapter yet. So um, we decided to go up to Maine and test her. Um, and I remember I, I was nervous as I'll get out and I'm like, what are, what do I have to do? You know, we had talked about it, but when you're actually doing it, it's, it's way different. Um, and where we tested in Maine, um, it was at the Sebastocook chapter. Um, and that place was like a marsh. If you think of Maine on the coast, it was wet. The grass and water were up past my knees and I'm trying to trudge out here in this field with this six month old short hair puppy. That's just like out here bouncing around and I'm trying to get control <laughs> of her. And, um, she, she did pretty good in the field. Um, she did, she did, um, stay pretty close because some of the other dogs we had watched previously, the owners had let them off the leash and they were gone. They were on the other side of the field and disappeared in the woods. And like, well, at least she didn't do that. I'm like, okay, this is good. And um, then, of course, you know, we have the swim portion. Um, So we go down and it's in this like creek area slash marsh. I don't know if it was the ocean was close. I'm not really sure. It was kind of weird where they had it. And it was a really steep drop off. And I'm like, oh, God, please don't fall in the water in front of all these people. And, um, (laughs) you know, I'm trying to throw the bumper just enough so she'll get out there and swim and not get freaked out by the by the ledge. Because, you know, she's still young at this point. And even though she wasn't afraid of anything, I was still like freaked out. I didn't want her to just go in and and fall in and get scared. So I throw it in and it it goes barely very far and and she jumps in there after it and she's out there waiting for me to throw more. I'm like, Oh, okay, well this is easy. Um, and then of course the last, which, you know, they always do it in a different order, but the last thing that we had to do was the pheasant track. And yeah, that's, I think still to this day running multiple dogs in NA, I think that's the hardest part, not necessarily for the dog, but for the handler. Um, the whole it's part the most of handler. Yeah. It, it's the most handler involved section of the NA test. It really is just trying to control the puppy. They're excited. They can smell the bird. They can smell. Yeah. Um, it's just trying to control it. And especially with her, she had a lot of drive and I was trying to make sure I had a good release. Like, like they tell you the bowling ball method and I'm trying to hold the collar, yeah. the leash, and not get all tangled and, you know, make an ass of myself pretty much with falling. So I'm trying to control <laughs> all this stuff. And yeah, at that point, this is the first time I'd done it. So I had done it in training, but obviously that's different and you're in a test. And so I released Sassy and she kind of goes out in front and, and I'm thinking she's doing good. And um, she makes it probably... 30 to 40 yards out and, and then she comes back and I'm like, okay, well, I don't know if that's good. I don't, I don't know really where we're at. And, um, so we get her back and leash her up and we go sit in the truck and wait. And, uh, my dad's actually there. My, my brother was there. They were, they came up to watch and, um, so we're waiting for scores to be read and 
they're reading off all the scores and and they read off sassies and I I don't remember now what this actual score was. I know we got a prize too. And um obviously I was disappointed because everyone wants that prize one and one twelve and um <laughs> I was like, well, I mean, we did great. I didn't even, you know, I didn't know at the time that, you know, that was actually really good. Um, and she had done what she was supposed to do. But for me, I was like, okay, we're, we're doing this again. I want, I want that prize one. Um, so we did eventually <laughs> test her again. Yeah. So we, we actually tested when Tar Heel was a chapter in our first test, um, down in North Carolina, we, we tested again and, um, she did end up getting the, Prize one, one twelve, and I was happy about that. Um, and so that's kind of the the introduction for me with her, um, just learning learning her. And um, once we got into the more advanced um, testing, if you will, with NAVDA um, and training, um, it became evident that I was going to need way more help at that point with, with force fetch and duck search and steadiness and all those things. Um, because obviously those things are pretty challenging to just do by yourself. So having Scott being able to help me, but um, just learning how to work as a team, me and Sassy kind of have always had this thing where um, she likes to test me um, a lot. And trying not to get frustrated because it's hard not to. And you have to have the right demeanor and not let them know that, you know, you're amped up and and you're getting frustrated because a lot of people don't realize. And I didn't even realize it at the time that they dogs feed so much off of you, um, your emotions more than people really understand. And um, it became evident in a couple of the tests that um, I did with her in the more advanced or doing utility with her and, and going to the invitational. Um, it's just ha- crazy how, how they read your body language and um, people are like, Oh, just, you just got to stay calm. You got to be calm. But in the moment, it, it's really hard to do that. So um, that was yeah, kind of, sure. yeah. Yeah. So you, you you got the what you're wanting on the NA. You're going through force fetch. You're you're really picking up on the body language and also how to control your emotions. Pretty much all lessons that all dog handlers have to learn at some point. So w- what's the rest of the journey like? You know, uh, um, you're working towards utility. What what level of testing have have you completed with Sassy? And you know, kind of walk us through uh, the rest of the journey with her. So, um, we did, um, let's see, we tested in utility the first time she was young, um, maybe a little over a year and a half, maybe two. I I can't remember exactly. Um, we tested in the Carolinas chapter, um, down at Hoffman at the Sandhills, um, game lens down here in North Carolina. And, um, that test was, oh my gosh, I I still remember it because it was nerve wracking all day. Um, the tasks that you have to do. And at that point, you know, you're having to shoot a gun in a certain sequence. You're having to carry a gun in the field with you. Um, so we do the utility tests there. Um, and we had some issues. Um, we got a prize three, which 
to me again. I'm like, oh, crap. I, wa- I wanted something better. But um, <laughs> the judges all were talking to me and they're like, man, you know, that's a, you know, that's your first utility dog. And you got that, that you should be really proud of that. Um, most people Absolutely, don't. Yeah. Most people can't do that. Um, and so the biggest issues that we had during that test, um, one was healing. So we got a one in healing and I don't think I'll ever forget that. Sassy dragged <laughs> me, literally dragged me to the blind to, to go, um, after the study by the blind sequence to get the duck. Um, we started out and, um, at that point I was healing with, with a leash on and I said, heal and it was game time. And she just off, we went to the races and dragged me, um, drug me down there and, um, I just remember getting to the blind and I was so mad. I'm like, Oh my God, this dog just thinking in my head, like, really, you just did that. We just did so good in the field. I think this was the last event and she had done good in everything. And she pulls that and I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. Well, we're going to keep, fin- we're going to keep going, finish strong. And, um, I remember when the judges were reading the scores after, after we were done for the day and Mark Whalen was my judge and, I, he made some comment about the healing and I'm just like, really, I, I know I'm well aware. Um, I won't let that happen again. Type <laughs> you of thing. Don't have to tell me. <laughs> yeah. And a funny story with that. Um, Mark Whalen actually was my judge when I, when I tested Sassy and NA utility. And then when we went yeah. to the invitational, he was my judge for all three things, which I was like, man, this is <laughs> how, how the heck did this work out? But, but he's a, he's a really good judge. I'm sure you guys- I was about to say, I'm sure you got some good feedback at every single one of those levels. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, the first utility test was underway and I'm like, OK, we, we got to work on some things. She did really good in the field. Her steadiness was great. Um, she she did great at duck search. Um, she did get a, end up getting a three because she went out and then I think within a couple minutes, she came back to me and and sat there looking out wow. like okay, what do we do now? I didn't find the duck. Let me come back to mom. And at this point, Mark Whalen's like, okay, it it literally felt like 20 minutes had gone by and it was really only like a minute. And he's like, okay, you need to make a decision. (laughs) And I'm like, oh crap. All right. Well, there goes the four. We're we're at a, we're at a three now. And at the time I didn't know these things, Um, you know, oh, okay. A four, they go out and they search for at least 10 minutes. And you know, you're at a three now and the dog comes back and you have three cent. I, I didn't know that at that time that, okay, I knew it wasn't good, but I didn't know, you know, what the, what the score was yeah. actually going to be. And it's not, and um, it's not like the judges are going to clue you into the score as you go along, you know, people that have never run a test that, that you can always tell the first, first time tester out there. They always come on like, they don't even tell you the score after each section. I'm like, nah, you get to wait till the whole, all all testing is done before you find out. (laughs) So that's over. Yeah. You have to sort it out. Um, so, so we, we do that and I'm like, okay, there's things we need to fix. So definitely healing, um, was one of them. And, um, and then her duck search just building up that she did have the independence to stay out there, but just knowing, um, not relying on me so much as, as she's looking for guidance for me to tell her where to go. Just, just get out there and go, go look for those ducks. Um, so we tested a few more times. Um, we got, uh, the next time we got a prize too. Um, so 
it's kind of a saying that we have here. I know Scott says it a lot. Um, it's a balloon effect. So you squeeze on one end and it gets stretched out on the other side and you do the same thing. And it's like, okay, you fix one thing and, and can create a couple other problems. And <laughs> yeah. that's kind of what was happening. And um, I don't remember exactly. I want to say maybe steadiness was our next um, issue when she got the prize too. Um, and then we tested her. I tested her again um, and we got that prize one that everyone's, um, you know, they're, they're going for that goal. And, um, it wasn't the highest prize one, but we had achieved it, um, and kind of got those numbers where they needed to be. Um, and this is after, so let me go back a little bit. Scott was running Sonia, um, before me. Um, so he ran about a month before me and, and Sonia gets a prize one and we were like, oh crap. Okay. Now Sassy's now Sassy's turn. Okay. Is she going to, is she going to be able to do it too? And so she does it. And then we're both looking at each other like, oh crap. Now we have two dogs <laughs> that are qualified to go to the invitational and, um, not oh crap in a bad way, but oh crap. Now, now the work begins and we got some um, work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we trained. Um, that was in November in the fall when they when they qualified, and um, we gave them a little bit of break and really started training. Um, I'd say that spring. Um, I wouldn't say every weekend, but we trained. We trained a lot, and we trained with a lot of people. We we trained with groups of people and different dogs, and um, traveled to a few places to be able to get the dogs exposure to different breeds that we didn't have close to us, and and just in different terrain and different areas. Um, and then we, we headed to the invitational, um, that was in 20, oh Lord, when was that? 2018. Um, and, um, so we're riding and this was in, um, Iowa. So it's, it's quite a haul from here. And we had about a two day drive up there and we wanted to be there early, of course, to get the dogs acclimated and, um, work on something last minute thing, see the grounds. Cause we had never been there. And, um, we stayed with our friends, Doug and Stephanie, they had a big, um, fifth wheel camper. So we drove and met them and, and camped out with them. And, um, Scott and I drove together, obviously that's a long drive and, and the dogs with us and we get there and we start, you know, getting them ready. And, um, come test day, we were both, um, testing on the same day. So we're having to ride in the car together <laughs> and he's going first in every event. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is torturous. And out of all the tests, <laughs> and I told him this, I was more nervous, I think, for the utility test than I was that day. It was really weird. I was trying to be calm, obviously, for Sassy, because I think out of all the dogs that I have now, she's one that really reads body language more than any of them. Um so I was really trying to keep my cool and, and keep cool for, for Scott to run in Sonia, which he's pretty calm anyways, but still we were trying to not be amped up in the car. So the dogs didn't feed off of us. And, um, we yeah. do the blind retrieve, which was, that was first, which I'm like, Oh my God, why do we have to do this first? But, um, you know, we do that and then we do the whole healing sequence and do the, um, the double marked retrieve, um, and that goes fine. And, um, she, she did great at healing. So she had a heal off lead for, 
I'd say maybe a hundred yards, maybe less, but I'm like, okay, dog. Okay. We're doing really good. I'm thinking, okay. <laughs> um, and you've come a long way on the healing then. <laughs> yeah. We, we did some, um, practice before too. So that might've helped, but, um, all, you could see a lot of the people, which is kind of funny where they do the double marked in Iowa. It's kind of on this like hill and you can look, you stand up on the hill, the spectators can, and they can sit there and watch down below where they do the, and there was a dirt road and people were up and down that road, practicing with their dogs healing and trying to get them right. Because as soon as you said that word, that command, you're, you're under judgment. And, um, it, it's, it was a pretty far walk to the water's edge. So I needed to make sure she was straight for that. Um, and then the last event of the day was the field. And in Iowa this day, it was about 90, 92 degrees. And I was last in the field. And um, I knew she was going to be able to do it because we live in North Carolina. It's hot here. Um, yeah. Really hot in the summer. Um, and um, I wasn't really worried about the heat, really. Um really worried to see what, what the brace mate was going to do. And, um, everybody that knows Sassy knows that she loves birds. And, um, when we go hunting or testing or whatever it may be, she wants to find the birds and she sometimes doesn't want my help and she wants to just go find them all herself and, um, you know, the fastest that she can. And so, um, I was worried, um, a little bit about the bracemate. Once I found out it was another short hair, I was a little bit at ease just because I knew that that <laughs> dog had probably a lot of drive and go too. But, um, so we did the field portion and, um, we were doing really well. And until about the last, I'd say it felt like, you know, the last, I say 10 minutes, um, which felt like it, we'd been out there forever. Cause it was so hot. I mean, I had, I think, four or five water bottles for myself. I had five for her. My vest was weighted down. I'm, I'm carrying this gun. Um, the gunners are helping me with my water bottles cause it, it was so hot and we were soaking wet, just drenched with sweat. And, um, it's the last 10 minutes and I'm trying to get sassy in this, one of the watering tubs to cool her down yeah. and, and just honestly burn some time because she had literally gone out there and found every, well, I say every bird, but because there's a lot of birds there in that field. Um, she found a lot of birds first, and I knew I needed her to get it back um, to be able to yeah. get that get that score. Um, so we're in the watering tub, and my back's to the other, um, the other my bracemate and his dog, and I'm getting sassy in there. And um, before I get her in the watering tub. I, I don't have a hold of her yet because you can grab their collar once they're in the tub and, and kind of get them wet. But any other time that test, you can't touch the dog at all. You can't touch the collar for anything. So as I go to grab Sassy, a, a shot is fired. And what does Sassy do? <laughs> Sassy takes off all his ass and goes in and gets that dog's um, bird and retrieves it to hand to me. Oh. And I'm just on my knees trying where the pool is. And I'm like, Oh crap. I think, I think that oh. just put us out of it. 
Um, all you had to do so, was get in the water bucket. <laughs> that's yeah, all you had to uh, do. Exactly. That's, that's all I'm thinking in my head. Like, oh, just dog. What What the heck? But it, it happened so quick. I, I, you know, I kicked myself because I'm like, I should have been paying attention. But I was trying to focus on getting her in that. And I didn't see what was behind me. And I remember standing up and I just took the bird from her because I'm like, okay, well, she already you know, messed up. What am I going to do? Correct her? No, I, I can't do that right now. She, <laughs> she's, she brought me the bird. She, she's thinking she did right. Okay. Just take the bird and I give it to the judge. And again, Mark's my judge. And he's like, well, sassy is being really sassy today. And I'm like, oh my gosh, nope. please just, just don't say anything more. I know. <laughs> um, I mean, I was like, oh, steam, if steam could have been coming out of my ears, it would have been because I was so ticked off. I was like, oh, my God, dog, really? Like, we're in the last few minutes of this test, and all I need you to do is back, and you go stealing some, stealing your bracemates <laughs> retrieve. So we we finish out the field, and she does get it back, um, which was really, I mean, it was a setup, obviously, because we were in the last few minutes, and they needed to see it, and um, it was really actually pretty cool. The, the, my brace mate, um, his dog went on point and Sassy came around in um, one of the mode strips and it was really cool. Um, obviously I know it was, you know, kind of set up, but she did do it. Um, and she did not break on the shot, which was great. So we, we finished the test strong. Um, and I remember walking up back to the truck where Scott was and I'm just like, he's like, well, how'd you do? How'd you do? I'm like, I have no idea. I was like, this is what happened. And the grass was so tall out there um, in between the strips. He couldn't really see a lot of the spectators couldn't, couldn't really tell if it was, if it was good or not. And um, it felt good except for that one little mishap. So I really had no clue what, what we were, if we're going to pass or not, I I didn't know. And um, so we go back and, you know, they read all the scores and it, it takes a while, you know, they have to go through all the dogs and, lots of different numbers and um, scenarios oh, yeah. and, and, and discussions that they have. And um, we're all sitting there waiting for the scores. And there's a group of us that went together. So we're all, you know, hoping for the best that we all pass and dogs, we go home happy. And I remember um, sitting there waiting. And of course they read, they read Scott's first and I'm like, Oh my God, why, why do I have to be last in this? But okay. <laughs> um <laughs> And Sonia, Sonia passes and I'm like, okay, awesome. Okay. Let me just, and literally, I think I waited, we were one of the last dogs that they read and I'm like, they're reading off the scores and they're reading the numbers. And I'm like, okay, like all the things that I'm thinking at this point now, okay, I know, I know what numbers I need to pass. And so they're reading off all the scores and um, four, three, four, four, and they're reading them down the line and they get to the last two categories and those last two categories on that scorecard are obedience and cooperation. And uh -oh. they're going down. And so the last two and Scott's like getting ready to stand up and like congratulate me. And, and they read off obedience two, cooperation two, uh -oh. And I'm like, Oh my God, she, I'm like, how, how is this even possible? I was like, dog, you just, you pretty much just did the test. You just did it without me. 
is pretty much in a nutshell <laughs> what that meant. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is so frustrating. What the heck? So y'all got there and she essentially just looked at you and said, hold my beer. I got this. <laughs> yeah, pretty much like just, uh, you just sit back, mom. I'm, I'm going to do this. I, you know, I don't need your help. And I was just like, and I, so I started to look cause I'm like, okay, I, all the dogs, like you would hear the scores and you know, one of them messed up on backing. You would hear like a one or a zero. That was a big thing that would knock a dog out from passing. That and let's see, the double mark retrieve. Um, and I'm trying to think and healing even. Um, but you would you could you could tell what made the dog not pass. You know, it was either a one or zero or or two. Yeah. But it was never all the numbers there except for the last two. And I I, I looked at all every dog that ran that weekend and i'm just like no other dog had that score and i'm just like wow this is crazy and it just got me thinking like that's why i say you know she did the test without me all the numbers were there it was just she did the task but she did them without me she was just like yep screw you i don't need it i don't need you i'm I'm gonna go do it myself and Mm -hmm. um i was upset but at the same time um, just honestly proud that I was able to go. Um, you know, there's not a lot of women that run the invitational. I think even in Iowa, there wasn't very many at all. And I was just happy that I was, you know, I had the opportunity to take her and the experience honestly was, was worth more than actually passing. Um, so in in a nutshell, that was our, our road there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so so that was pretty much your journey with with your again your first dog uh, uh being at skies you'll have a lot of dogs that come in and out but that was that was yes. your first dog that you took and uh you know pretty much had the the vc dog there just just like you said a little bit <laughs> too much independence on her on that one day but uh yeah. Since then, yep. you know, what what have you been doing? I know I know you do a lot of training. You you still do a lot of the NAVDA training days uh with with your chapter down there, but you also help Scott yep. and do a lot of training around the property. So, you know, yeah. talk to us about what you're currently doing now with the dogs. Sure. Um so after Sassy, um you know, I I wanted to everyone's like, Oh, are you going to requalify? Are you going to go back? And, and I did try. Um, but in my head I had a goal and if I wasn't able to do it in that time frame, I was like, okay, you know, let's, let's, let's uh, move on to other goals. And, and, um, I knew I was going to be getting another dog. So, um, I, you know, we didn't end up going back. Um, and I had, like I said, in my head, a timeline of, okay, it's time to focus on, she's going to be a mom. She's going to have a litter. Um, she's going to just hunt and, um, you know, we're going to focus on and do other things. Um, and I knew I was getting another uh, male puppy. Um, so since then, um, I've gotten Falco and he's a DK male that I actually was able to go to Denmark, um, in 2019. Um, actually, was it? Yeah. 2018, sorry to get him, um, before all this COVID mess hit. Um, I picked him up at the breeder and, and, um, brought him home. Um, and so, um, gotten into the DK testing. Um, we did our first Psalms this year, which was nerve wracking, more nerve wracking, I think, than the NAVDA utility test. 
Um, mm. So just figuring that system out. Um, and then, like you said, we have uh, a lot of dogs coming and going um, here um, with the kennel and, and helping with that. Um, here lately, it's taken a little bit of a, not backseat, but um, sideline as I'm in school right now getting my master's. So I haven't done as much training as I wanted to. Um, I do help on the weekends with him and a couple of days during the week. And when it gets to be summer, I'll help more because the daylight will have more. But um, with Falco, um, we actually did um, a new kind of method um, of training with Scott, which which worked out really good when we were doing force fetch. Um, I was controlling Falco and, and Scott had actually the E the e caller remote the whole time. So was making the corrections using my voice. Um, and I wasn't having to worry about holding on to Falco cause he's big, you know, you've met him. He's, <laughs> he's a big boy and yeah. trying to control him on the table. That's already too tall. And, <laughs> um, just <laughs> and pushing the button at the right time. And, um, you know, with Sassy, I knew some of the mistakes that I had made and knew that, okay, he's a lot bigger. He may be a lot, um, maybe more stubborn. Um, he's a male. It's just different. I want to make sure I do this, this right. And, um, so with, with the help of Scott, he, he helped, we did force fetch like that. And actually, um, it worked out pretty well. Um, Falco, we force fetched. I think it was less than a month. He just took to it natural retriever already. So it was, it was easy. And like I said, I didn't have to worry about controlling the dog and then controlling the remote. And, um, I think a lot of people struggle with that. I know I still do trying to get the timing, right. Um, dogs really need that, the timing to be correct in order to make that correction so that, um, they know what they're getting corrected for. Um, so that, that, Absolutely. that worked out really well. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, you've been doing it for for a number of years and you're still learning just like we all are. But, uh, you know, you, you, you're a great example of what I I can say that I, I've honestly been surprised over the years at how many uh, women specifically are getting into to NAVDA and training their own dogs and hunting their own dogs. And when I went down there last Saturday, you're out there, you know, every time we, we went duck hunting, you're out there. We were woodcock hunting, you went out there. It's you're really involved. And so we thought it would be kind of a fun thing to get you on, obviously talk about your journey. But uh, as in terms of continuing the podcast, we're going to make a, a change here. We're going to stop doing our monthly bonus uh, spotlight episode with the nonprofit organizations. Uh, and we're going to start doing a monthly bonus episode called the GDI wives. And pretty much what I was saying with you, Kylie, I didn't want to talk about the love story with you and Scott. Cause this isn't about you being Scott's wife. This is, <laughs> you know, you're just a woman yep. that loves dogs. You're, you, yeah. you're married to your dogs. You love them. You want to, you, you you're going to the invitational and hunting right alongside there. So we're going to try this out and, and I think it's going to be interesting, but you're going to kind of focus in on getting these women and telling relatable stories like what you just said about the force fetch table being too tall for you and just <laughs> stuff like that that maybe me and yep. th these other guys can't really relate to, but hopefully you help some women out there and interested parties get involved and they feel like they can do it also. Yeah, I think I'm I'm looking forward to it, Nick. Um, like I said, when I first started talking on this podcast, I never had been hunting. I'd been around it and 
um, you know, learning to use a gun at a, at a, at a training day and um, how do you even put the bullet in? How do you even pull the trigger? What, what are the steps to that? Like can seem really intimidating. And now I'm, like you said, I'm out there hunting and like, that's just been within the last seven years. And I think a big part of it has been NAVDA and um, just getting the exposure and, and just being comfortable. Um, Cause Scott's always like, Oh, are you going to bring your gun? And always asking. And it just kind of, he stopped asking. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I have a hunting dog. I need, I need to figure this thing out. I need to learn how to shoot. I need to learn how to shoot and kill some, you know, a bird so that my dog's able to retrieve it. If I keep missing, they're going to get ticked off and just, you know, go the other way, but you know, baby steps. And, and when you feel comfortable, you'll know when the time is right. And like you said, hearing the women's stories and, um, I've met a few people in the chapter and one of my friends, Terry Ann, um, you know, she's shot her first woodcock this year and, and has been hunting with her dog Zara. And all of it was because we met at NAVDA and she would probably have not done it without it. And, um, Zara was a five-year-old um, dog that she was trying to force fetch and she started coming to training days and she did it all herself. And um, just knowing that you are able to do it um, and to just get involved. Um, I think that's a big thing. I know you talked about that with Scott on your last podcast, trying to get people involved and, and just the biggest thing is that really sealed the deal is, is the dogs watching them and, and hunting with them. Um, it's by far one of my favorite things to do. I'll bring my gun sometimes and I won't even shoot. I just, I really just enjoy watching the dogs work and um, especially the puppies just figuring it out. And um, I'm really looking forward to talking to these ladies and, and hearing their stories and um, hearing their failures and their successes. I'm, I'm looking forward to it a lot. Absolutely. I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be great. And so, yeah, all you listeners out there, especially the guys that, you know, we've gotten a lot of contact saying, man, I wish I could get my wife involved in this. Do uh, y'all have anything that maybe that she can relate to a little bit more? Here you go. You know, Kylie's going to yep. get all, all your wives and girlfriends out there in the field with you. So don't you worry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, be, be on the lookout for it. Kylie, I'm excited. It's, it's going to start coming out. Uh, the I think it's the first week of February. We're going to start doing this. It's just going to replace the uh, monthly spotlight episode for right now. Kind of break you in slow, see how it goes, and uh, see, see if it does as well as what we really think and hope that it's going to do. All right. Awesome, Nick. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, and thanks for making time, and uh, we'll talk soon. Okay, thank you. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog It Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup just have to replace it again in a year. 
Go ahead and check out BeProKennels.com and get exactly what you want. If you're considering changing your dog's food soon, then be sure to check out Yukonuba Pro Performance. Their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance. They also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active. When looking at all the different food options, remember Yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.